Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. You can also listen to episodes on our church YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. And thank you for tuning in today. And today we're joined by a friend of ours who's been on Hope Talks before, Heidi Dove. Heidi, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. And Heidi is joining us on Hope Talks today to talk about a nonprofit that she started a few years back, uh, Village to Village. Heidi, just start out uh, telling us about how the vision for Village to Village came about. Sure. We actually did a youth trip to Guatemala and realized that they do ministry a little different where they adopt villages and they build relationships. And the whole goal is to get these small villages to self-sufficiency. And we liked that because normally you go and you never return and those relationships aren't started. So we went back a second time, and uh, Pastor Carrie Willis said, I think it's time for you to start something. And we started really small, and God has grown the ministry uh, quite a bit over the last couple of years. And what year was that? We are in our seventh year. Yeah, that's great. I remember um, going on one of those trips. Yes, I remember you going on that trip. To, um, that was a great trip um, to Guatemala. I remember one moment in the trip where you were really sick and I you remember that moment? <laughs> I've well, been that, sick on a couple trips, so oh yes, I do remember that because I was in your lap. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you're really sick. You're going to have that transfer patch. We're going to get you pulled better. Um, anyway, yeah, that was just an amazing trip to be able to go and to go into the villages and to see so many different aspects of ministry. Um, whether it was painting um, a school in a hundred plus degrees <laughs> or um, washing the feet of the children and putting shoes on their feet. That was just such a, a servant moment, powerful moment. There were so many. Not only the impact of going and helping, but the impact that of being blessed. Um, I will never forget the little boy that said he had a Walmart bag. He couldn't speak. He had a Walmart bag. And he pointed at that and pointed to me. And I'm like, yeah, we have Walmart. And then I was thinking the night before, I wish I could communicate better. And I just remember pointing to my heart and saying, Jesus. And he pointed to his and said, Jesus. I'll never forget that. Like, okay, Lord, thank you for letting me just have that. And his face, I just so remember his face lighting up. And he understood. And, yeah, there's so many aspects of that. And I think one thing that has always been super special to me is when our kids were young, our church here did sponsor child sponsorships Mm -hmm. through World Health. And I think it's the very first child that we ever sponsored. We let the kids pick her out. Um, She was very young. And after we had been going to Guatemala several years, we adopted a village, and that little girl was in that village. Mm. And so we actually got to meet that sponsor child and invest in her. Um, I went back a few years later, and she had a baby in her arms, and so she was starting to have a family of her own. But that connection started with my kids going to church and understanding what it was to sponsor a child. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, God has done some amazing things just to show my family what it means to be faithful. Yeah, for sure. And Heidi, what are the countries we've you all mentioned it started with a youth trip to Guatemala, but you all have expanded to other countries that you all partner. 
with? We have. We are in Africa. Uh, we are in Moldova, which I can't wait to get back to. Um, we do some work in India and Paraguay, and then the majority of our work now is local with refugees coming here. So what what does it look like? You have a trip coming up, right? Um, we have a trip to Guatemala and Moldova coming up. So what does that look like? What is the ministry when you all go? What's going to happen on that trip? What's a normal, if there is a normal? Well, I, I don't think it's the normal what people used to think of mission trips. We don't go build these big buildings or do things like that. Um, what we generally do is we know what village because we've adopted the village. So we always go back to that same village. And our partners there are in the midst of doing training for mamas to teach them how to cook, to be healthy, um, to teach them a trade so that they can make money. They do English classes with the kids. So we already know ahead of time what those things are. Um, Sometimes it's a matter of using people here to give us information to take to help with those programs. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is taking funds to help them grow that program. You know, in Moldova, that's pretty much all we do is do training and we do a youth camp. And um, we use a lot of the people there. Um, in the past, when I was growing up, we would take teams to actually build things. Mm-hmm. Last year, we were able to uh, pay for a bodega in Guatemala, which is a bathroom and a storage facility, because in the village, they actually have all their meetings at a little family's house. Mm-hmm. Well, that family was having to share everything with the whole community. And the community is not 100 people. It can be <laughs> 1,000 people in a community. So instead of us going to build it, we allowed them to hire people locally so that they could earn some money, and then we went and painted it. Mm -hmm. And so I think in the past I felt like, but I'm not doing anything, so it's not very helpful. But when we help fund it, we're not just helping that ministry. We're helping people to have a job. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we've kind of learned how to do ministry very different than I grew up thinking about it. When COVID hit, we were devastated because – The ministry here did not look like it does now, Mm -hmm. and I was very unsure of how are we going to make an impact. In reality, you know, they Mm -hmm. needed more finances then to help people cross the borders, to help, you know, just feed people that were coming into their country. So we were still able to do ministry. It just looked very different Mm -hmm. for a time. But um, God just opens doors on a daily basis. Um, One of the prayers that I prayed before COVID hit was 1 Corinthians 4.10, and I'll read it the way that I pray it. This is not how it is in the Bible, but, Lord, that you would bless village to village indeed and enlarge our territory, that your hand would be with us, that you would keep us from evil, that we might not cause pain. And God granted what we requested. I prayed that, and then COVID hit, and and everything was shut down. And I thought, well, that's not a prayer that I'm going to pray anymore. (laughs) What I didn't know is that God was going to send the nations to our community. And he has expanded our territory so much in the past year, some days it's been like, okay, Lord, slow down a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah. how are we going to do this? But we have so many connections with people that had to leave their country. And never would I have thought that's how he was going to expand the ministry. Yeah. yeah, he has things planned for us that we've never even thought of or imagined, yeah. right, asked for. And so um, when we pray, uh, believing that we know what maybe that will look like, uh, it looks better mm-hmm. you know absolutely um, so tell us a little bit about what does that look like now how has he expanded that ministry here well what village to village does locally initially we started out at christmas time just doing a christmas box for every family that had moved to our community in the last year with essentials 
um, pots and pans and coats and, you know, a toy for the kids, things like that. After COVID hit, Church World Services came to me and said, would you be willing to start actually doing the move-ins? At that point, we didn't have a warehouse. We didn't have furniture. We did, I mean, we didn't have anything that it was going to take to facilitate this, but the board really felt like this was what God was calling us to locally. So we have a warehouse. Um, the community donates everything that you would need in your home, pots and pans, dishes, um, bedding, linens, as well as clothes and backpacks, things like that. We gather all those things, and when Church World Services calls us, they'll say, we have a family of six that are moving in. Here's the address. Here's the date that we need them moved in. And then we load everything up. We have teams that meet us at the homes, and we move into that home. Just we set up house. We um, wash the dishes. We put pictures on the wall. We pray over the house. Do everything that you would do if you're moving into a home. We have started just over the last two months actually teaching families how to clean, which that may sound a little odd, but most of these families are coming from living in places that is nothing like our housing. Um, Many of them don't know what a vacuum cleaner is. They, you know, so we have never been able to meet the refugees until this past year. And because of the cleaning program, God allows us to get into that home within the first week. And then we go back the second week to do a follow-up. And we're not allowed to share Christ with them, but it's the beginning of relationships. And they will ask us, why are you doing this? You know, And it's our response door. is. And our Christmas program, last year was the biggest that we had, and we helped facilitate 20 families. So at Christmas time, we do boxes mainly of coats, hats, and gloves, but then we also put games and books and things in for the kids. This year, we had 100 families. So that is because of Afghanistan and Ukraine and just the influx of all those families coming in. You know, it is so interesting working with nonprofits that are not necessarily a Christian-based, where you can't say the name of Jesus, right? And I just, I have to stop there and talk about that because I think it would be easy for the church to say, well, we don't want to be a part of that, right? Like if you're faith-based. And what an opportunity, like, to bless um, not only someone that, you know, a service in our community that is not allowed to do that, to be Christ in those relationships, but also to have the opportunity to come back in and build relationships because that relationship is going to last longer, right, Mm -hmm. than that time that this individual is connected with Church World Services. Mm -hmm. That's a transaction almost, you know, like that's a, and that's going to be over, but you all are going to be in church world services to be there for the people if we're going to say one right yeah that maybe has to have that boundary for different reasons for their reasons they needed to have that those relationships that you build can be a, a beautiful opening it's a sharing a cup of cold water right and they see that yeah i'm not sure people understand i think as americans sometimes we think we have to do something huge to make a difference and We did a move-in for a family from Africa, and the first session that we went to, when we left, that mama said, God sent you to us. We did not know how to do any of this. And so a lot of these people already are in a relationship, but they're coming to a new country, and just to have somebody set up their home, give them a safe place to land, and then come back and talk with them is huge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, God has allowed us to start 
refugee meals, which we got approved through Church World Services because we never want to overstep our boundary with them. So once a month, we are able to invite all the refugees in and have a meal with them. And we still have to be super careful about what we say, but we are able to, to do this, which we've never been able to do. We wanted to pray over the meal. And so I'm like, how do we do this and not step on people's feet? And so they gave me some guidelines. They said, look, just simply say, this is a custom in the United States. And we realize that everybody may not want to take part in this. And if you don't want to, please don't feel like you have to. Mm -hmm. But it still gives us the opportunity to pray. And that's huge. That is. And not only are we ministering to families, Church World Service has a massive staff. Mm -hmm. And we are able to speak into their ministry. And they are able to count on us and to know that Village to Village is there when we need them. So kind of a multifaceted ministry. It's opportunity to be Christ, Mm -hmm. period, Mm -hmm. wherever you are, whoever you're in front of. And that's beautiful. Heidi, as you were talking about, uh, Pastor Margaret asked about working with nonprofits that might not be necessarily faith-based. It kind of expands your territory then, too, because not only do you get to minister to the refugees, but you get to minister to and be an example to those you're partnering with and so it's kind of twofold and uh, I was also thinking about the long time saying about share the gospel and if necessary use words Mm -hmm. yes and that's really we have been questioned because we are a Christian organization we love Jesus and we have had a lot of questions about then why don't you go in and initially share the gospel and for me I want people to see Christ in my life before I try to share what is different about me. And we do have refugees ask, why do you do what you do? And we had uh, James Madison came out and did a piece. uh, We had our refugee packing night, and they came out, and they kept asking me the same question. They kept asking me, why do you do what you do? And I sort of skirted around it. And finally, the fifth time, I just said, I'm a Christian, and I love Jesus, and this is what we do. You ask me enough, I'm going to tell you right, right. <laughs> why I do what I do. And I'm sure they cut that part out, but those boys, yeah. you know, yeah, they heard why we do what we do. And we have gotten into James Madison. We have a professor now that serves on our board. We have two interns from JMU. And some of their programming helps us. And, you know, the thing that I just continually am reminded of is I want people to see Christ in my life, and I want them to desire what I have. I don't want to force them into a relationship with God because that's God's thing. He'll do it. But I want to make sure that my actions and my reactions glorify him, and then he's going to allow things to happen. You know, I think about in the New Testament, you know, Jesus has went to the cross. He's been resurrected. The New Testament is happening. Church is happening, the early church. Like, they all the road system had just been put in, right? And it allowed them the opportunity for the gospel to spread. Mm-hmm. That was something in that day that God used that was secular, right? It was something that God used. And I think that he's, I'm just thinking about that, even looking at what you are doing. And here is a program that is making roadways for you to share the love of the Lord, whether it's in word or deed. And I think that's, it helps me to look at that and look at the opportunities we have to be Christ and to to kind of let go of our prejudices maybe of, uh, well, they're not faith-based or whatever, and be able to see that as an avenue to share 
the gospel. And that's only God does those things. Absolutely. JMU, it's just amazing how he does that. When we surrender, right, and pray prayers of mm-hmm. um, expand our territory. Well, and I think you all know me well enough that I am an introvert. And so speaking in public is absolutely the last thing that I ever want to do. <laughs> but I had an intern from Turner Ashby work with us last year. And she was in the Honor Society. And so she asked if I would speak at the induction of the Honor Society, which I just thought, I don't, mm -mm." but I never want to give up an opportunity to share. And so, you know, I sent them what I was going to say, because again, I never want to overstep boundaries. But anytime I speak, God naturally comes into the, you know, the things that I say. And so even that is in a public school setting, I was able to share why we do what we do. Yeah, that's awesome. And Heidi, um, she's talking about, you know, being able to share your faith, and it's just natural that it comes out and just different open doors to share about that. Uh, Talk about ways maybe somebody is listening today and they're wondering how they can partner with the ministry you do with refugee families coming to our community, or maybe they like to support Village to Village financially, or maybe even ways they can pray for Village to Village? Well, prayer is what we have stood on for seven years. Um, That really is the only way that we have been able to do what we do. So if you do nothing else for us, that is huge. Um, That's what we need. We have different opportunities. I mean, donating items is huge because we can't put the items in the homes unless we have them. And so we have a whole list on our website, and I'll give you that in a minute, but a whole list of things. And they, they're all gently used. Nothing has to be new, which is helpful because I know people don't always have the finances. But regardless if you bring us a small box of items or a truckload, it's a blessing to us because that's items we don't have to try to come up with financially. We have teams. Uh, we have move-in teams that help us. We have teams that sort all the things that come in and put them away in our warehouse We, our newest ministry, the Refugee Meals, what we do is get churches or life groups or organizations that will take one month out of the year, and we give them all the guidelines because there has to be specific foods, but it's not anything hard, but we have a lady that coordinates that, and it's a night that you get to actually sit down with refugee families and have conversation with them over a meal. Our packing program, we just got through that, but that will happen every year where you can actually come pack for a family and deliver it um, to their doorstep. And that's just, that makes a lot of difference, especially with kids when they see um, that child gets one toy for Christmas. And Mm. how many do I get? Perspective. (laughs) And, you know, we, our teams are growing. We have a little boutique now that um, we get so much stuff that we can't use for refugees that we're able to sell it. And that money goes back into helping. Um, it costs us about $150 to do a move-in because we're always lacking a few things. So that money helps us. Um, financially, I know this sounds crazy, but if it's $5 a month, it helps us. It doesn't have to be, you know, we had someone ask us, don't you want to try to get like millionaires supporting you? And I'm like, listen, the people that support us are mamas, um, college students. It's not people that have a ton of money and they're able to give anywhere from 5 to $25 a month. So you know, nothing is too small, and uh, that is such a misconception, I think. Um, every penny helps us. Um, but our website is uh, village to village.co. So it's village to village.co. 
Um, and you can go to that, and it will give you a list of all the things we collect. We have uh, Facebook, and we have Instagram, and those are Village to Village. And that's where you're going to get a lot of the day-to-day information. But you can also be put on Gentry does a newsletter once a month through email. And then we send out um, newsletters maybe quarterly, you know, for those that don't have email. And But there's so many ways. You know, we are looking at doing a day camp for refugees this year. And uh, if that goes through, we're going to need people that can do art classes, that can do soccer classes, that can do some of the things that we're not good at, but we know we want to have a day for these kids that probably cannot afford to go to a camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a new opportunity that will be coming. So our information is also on the website. So if you have questions, you can email us and we'll get back with them. Heidi, uh, any other stories that you'd like to share, whether it be, you know, the last couple of years since COVID helping with the refugee move-ins or maybe even prior to COVID when you're in Guatemala or Moldova or Paraguay or Africa that you'd just like to share um, that maybe has impacted you during the time of working and since sure. starting Village to Village? I think two come to mind. Uh, one was when we initially started move-ins and we're not able to see the families. It was during COVID, so we would move in, spray everything down with Lysol, and they were not allowed to move the families in until 48 hours later. And so we barely even knew if they were moved in. But one family allowed Church World Services to take a picture, and they um, sent a message back to us, and they said, our hope is that we can do for the rest of the community what you did for us. And that is the goal, that people will feel safe here, and they will become a part of the community. Um, I think the other one, we just, um, when the Ukrainians started coming, I worked nursery at church, and half of our kids were always Ukrainian. Could, they, you know, they were five years old. They didn't know English. There was no way for us to communicate with them. So finally, I got on Google Translate, and I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to at least speak to these kids. And I started doing that with one little girl. And uh, they had a picnic. Uh, the Ukrainian people had a picnic for us and for a few other people that had just helped them get settled into the community. And this little girl was at the picnic, and she saw me across the way, and she grabbed her mom's arm and drug her over and they still could not speak English, but her mom recognized me and she knew that, you know, I had been in nursery with her. Last week we had our refugee meal and she was there with her two kids and she speaks almost fluent English. Her little five-year-old girl speaks almost fluent English. And I sat Gentry down with her because I thought they're about the same age. And they had been to Goodwill to buy their Christmas. And she had bought a music box that was $1.99. It still had the ticket on it. And she showed every person at that meal that music box because she was so proud of it. And when they left, she left her music box, which I knew was devastating. So I told Gentry, I said, we're just going to pull some jewelry from home, and we're going to fill her music box up, and I'll drop it off by the house. And so the next day, I called and stopped. And whenever you visit a Ukrainian, you be ready for tea because you're, ha- you're not going to just drop it <laughs> off and leave. You're going to sit down and have a conversation. And she showed me a picture of the last day that they were in their apartment in Ukraine. Her family is still there, other than a sister that is here. And she said they each packed a bag. Um, she had a backpack and these two young kids and three suitcases that she had to walk 30 miles to get across the border. Her husband couldn't come with her. And she said when she got across the border, they asked if she had family, and she said no. And 
they found volunteers, um, got her moved into a house, and eventually her husband was able to join her. But in that conversation, there was not one bit of bitterness. No anger. She was thankful to be here. And she continually said, God made a way. He made a way. And I'm not sure I would be in that frame of mind mm-hmm. if that would happen to me. And I just watch these people as they come in from the situations. And I really have to look at myself because they are just grateful to God that he got them to a safe place. And it really makes me want to be better mm-hmm. and want to um, you know, keep my relationship with God where it needs to be when the hard times come so that I can have that attitude of gratefulness. Well, Grayson, I'm going to turn the tables on you. You helped with Village to Village. You've helped with move-ins. And so I'm wondering if you have a story as a volunteer just to share um, something, why you volunteer, uh, what has impacted you in that volunteer service with Village to Village? Well, two things stick out to me, and um, I think one of the move-ins was about a year ago. There was a family... You had mentioned that there was a family moving into the neighborhood in a townhouse in my neighborhood. And I was like, I got to, it wasn't a night that I think I, you know, we had certain nights. She asked everybody what night works for you to kind of have an idea of teams that they can get ready. It wasn't one of the nights I had listed, but I was like, you know, this is the Lord speaking to me saying I need to help with this. And so that was cool to help. Now, we didn't get to meet the family and anything like that, but just... Every time I walk by, you know, sometimes when the weather's warmer and I'm able to walk to go get my oil, I walk by that townhouse, and I don't even know if that family lives there anymore, but I still play for it. It was a single mom and four kids, I believe, three boys and a girl. That's what we had set the house up for. Um, so that sticks out to me. And also I remember donating, I think it was like a desk or something, to Village to Village. And like a week later, I helped you all with a move-in over by Purcell Park, an apartment. And it was cool that we put that desk that I had donated in that apartment. So I got to see where, like I said, again, we didn't get to meet the family or I didn't get to meet the family, but it was cool just seeing, you know, something I had donated, seeing where it was going to be used. So, and you talked about earlier, you talked about child sponsorships. I know I do a child sponsorship through Village to Village. Um, It's through World Help. And so it's cool. I have a picture that you had sent me, Heidi, or Gentry had maybe mm-hmm. emailed me, and I have a picture of it on my phone. I pray for that family. I think I have a couple pictures, one of the family and one of the little boy. And so I pray for him when the Lord brings him to mind and the family to mind. And uh, I haven't gotten to go on any trips, maybe someday, but I haven't yet. But um, And I was I helped at Christmas time pack mm-hmm. a box um, for, I think it was a single guy, I believe, that I packed. I didn't get to deliver it, but I got to pack a box. And it's just, you want to pack it as if you were receiving it. Absolutely. So it's just, those are some of the ways, some of the things that stick out to me about um, helping with Village to Village. And I remember you talked about the Christmas boxes. I remember when I was in your and Doug's life group, our life group would usually do some boxes Mm -hmm. and deliver them to some families. And I think that was the beginning of the partnership with Church World Services. Yeah, it was. And it's been a blessing. You know, again, people question why we are partners with somebody that's not a Christian organization, but out of that has come huge blessings mm-hmm. and growth and classes that we could potentially have. And so God can use anything. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that you and I and Edie, didn't we make a visit to Church World Services? Was that the three of us? Oh, uh, 
you know, I can't remember what I did yesterday. So it could have <laughs> well, been. We did. We, I've, unless, you know, my memory is my memory's not great. But um, I just remember, and this is just an interesting thing, going there and having a meeting. And now that he was the director, the director was in place at that time, is now pastoring a church. Mm-hmm. And I'm partnering mm-hmm. with him. In recovery ministry. Yeah. It's just so interesting how we had that aha not too long ago of, wait a minute, we've been in conversation yeah. before um, at church world services. So, yeah. yeah, it's good. It's just building relationships. And, you know, when when I met this pastor in a, of a pastoral role, I kept thinking, I know that I know him from somewhere. <laughs> and we finally figured it out where our paths crossed. So God used that yeah. um, and is still using that relationship that we have to. Well, and we've had one of the Church World Service staff went to us went with us to Guatemala last year. Oh. And two of them are really wanting to go with us to Moldova. And the girl that I work specifically with, she's just become one of my sweetest friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Gentry had a tea over Christmas, and we invited her. And so there's just a lot that goes beyond just the ministry, um, especially when you start building the relationships with people. Because it is about presence. It is about if the Holy Spirit lives in us, whether where someone works is able to promote Jesus or not. If the Holy Spirit lives in us and we are in relationship with others, it will minister. Mm-hmm. You know, the Holy Spirit will minister through us. He'll use us. And so thank you for persevering and in the relationships that you have in all the different countries and just how you're engaging this community and believing in one relationship at a time. Mm-hmm. Heidi, thank you for joining us on today's broadcast of Hope Talks and sharing about Village to Village and the ministry they do. It's been great to have you. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. We pray that as we've talked to Heidi Dove about Village to Village and the ministry that they do here in our local community and abroad, that it truly has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Hope Talks. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe for all the updates and latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg or Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.